Good evening. Welcome to the show. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Uh, I'm Pei Chen. I'm with you until 9 p.m. every Sunday evening. You can also stream the show online if you happen to be away from a radio. Newstalk1010.com. There's also um, there's webcams there. Sometimes I just would prefer that you listen to the show and not watch. <laughs> but they're there for your uh, your enjoyment and your convenience. Uh, would love to know if um, any of you checked out Nuit Blanche last night. It was the first year in many years that I, I didn't get to go out and uh, visit some of the sites. But you can always text in at 71010. The show is live. I'd always love to hear from you. 71010. Let me know if you took part in Nuit Blanche at all. Um, I spent the weekend at the Fall Home Show down at uh, Exhibition Place at uh, the Better Living Center. So I was there for the four days um, doing a few demos. And then also I'm seeing the stage. And it's really interesting, the, the crowds that you get there, because um, I've always lived in a small condo, so big home reno things were, were never something that were was in my realm of uh, interest, I suppose. But now that um, I'm about to move into a less than 500 square foot condo, I was very interested in all of those, all of the presentations about um, making your small space look bigger, how to, how to bring in pieces that are you know, multi-purpose and functional. Um, also wanted to mention, oh, okay, so I posted this photo on Instagram, and I have to say that one of the most liked photos consistently on social media, and if you're on Instagram, you can find me at Chen. Whenever I post a photo of pizza, it doesn't matter if the pizza doesn't even look good. Photos of pizza are incredibly popular. But I finally went to this place that a friend of mine told me about. It's... um in Leslieville, so Queen East, called Descendant Pizza. And they do Detroit-style pizza, which I don't even know what that really means, but I know that it's, it's like a thick crust. It's almost like focaccia. And the um, they bake it in a pan. And so the cheese hits the edges, and it crisps up, and gets nice and crunchy and like kind of that caramelized, cheesy goodness. And if there's meat on it, that all just kind of like crisps up as well. Fantastic, beautiful pizza. I cannot wait to go back. And uh, and if you do go, get the one with the um, the hot honey. You will not regret it. Um, also, now that we're into October, <laughs> Halloween's around the corner, I would love to know what costumes you're planning for your household. So you can text in 71010. Curious to know, because I've seen a few already on sale that people have been posting. For example, the Donald Trump costume with the toupee. There's also the Caitlyn Jenner costume. I'm not sure how I feel about that. And uh, I saw someone post a photo of a costume. And it was about $50. It was a dress. And what it was was split down the middle. It was that dress that was um, half black and blue, you know, with the stripes. And then the other half was white and gold. Do you remember that dress that, like, took over the internet earlier this year that had, like, millions and millions of retweets and comments because it looked black and blue in one, and then uh, some people thought it looked white and gold? Anyway, that is now a costume you can purchase for $50. Or go to Value Village and just sew two dresses together. Uh, tonight, I'm chatting about one of my favorite things, which is cookbooks. I have a real... I, I would hesitate to call it a problem, um, but I love cookbooks and I love collecting cookbooks. And now that I've been packing sort of to move, I realize that um, it makes up a large portion of my belongings. So tonight I'll be talking about uh, two great new cookbooks that I think you might want to bring into your home, which are also great 
gift ideas. I think a cookbook is a wonderful gift to give to someone that you know enjoys food. So coming up uh, in the second half hour of the show, I'll talk to the food director for Canadian Living Magazine about their latest book, which is going to become a really hot item because it's the best of 40 years worth of recipes. But my first guest is someone that um, you may know because you might have something in your home that was created by this man and his brother. So I've got Peter Neal of Neal Brothers Foods in here. You've been promoting good food for 25 years, which sounds really quite incredible, Peter. Uh, 28, but who's counting? Okay, 20. Oh my gosh, that's like how that's how old I am. And I'm so not glad really. you collect cookbooks and not cats. I <laughs> Could you imagine? A weird category. <laughs> I have 200 cats at home and I've started packing them. Yeah, I do have a cookbook problem. I love them. I, you know, I don't necessarily cook from all of them all the time, but I love the feeling. I love having an actual book, even though people have said that, you know, the Internet and online uh, food sites and recipes are going to kill cookbooks. I don't think it will, because there's something about being able to touch it and open the page and and like see that photo, which I love. I don't think it's I don't think the cookbook will ever die. No, I agree with you. So I, I think our next one's going to be scratch and sniff. <laughs> Oh, that'd be amazing. <laughs> uh, those are my like, favorite types of uh, stickers well, and try books. doing that on a computer. <laughs> you can't do that. No. Smell-o-vision. Um, so, Peter, Neil Brothers Foods, now you have a full line of products, condiments and snacks. and um, But I know you and your brother from, I'm trying to think of when we first met. It would have been almost 15 years ago, but not like maybe 13, 14 years ago. That's right. And at the time, Neil Brothers was, what was it? Chips at that time? Yeah, our mainstay was uh, Chris and I had uh, tortilla chips and salsa. We had those crazy blue corn chips everyone thought were colored or burnt. So I love this the blue corn chips that you brought, uh, sort of like to everyone's attention. Now it's just standard. People are like, oh, blue corn chips, yep, yeah, no big deal. When you were trying to introduce them to the sort of more gourmet food market and palate, uh, people weren't taking to them so well. No, especially outside of the GTA. Mm -hmm. They they really uh, were skeptical. I actually drove one of our own Neil Brothers trucks outside of the GTA, and Chris had his truck in town, and he would come back sold out of blue corn. People thought that was groovy <laughs> and hip, and, and outside of the city, they're like, what did they think burnt. it was? Well, they thought it was either burnt or or we'd colored them or something. But okay. they were they were not so so hip on on the blue chips back then. So when you say back then, was this fifteen years? Was this twenty years ago? Twenty years ago. Twenty years ago. Okay, yeah. but now it's standard. You just have to get used to it. Yeah, yeah. Ours are anything but standard, of course. Well, well, I, I meant they're now uh, <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> That's what I meant. Good catch. So you started off. I love the story because um, you and your brother. So. Your brother Chris. Um, now you know Neil Brothers Foods. You've done a great job, really, in in expanding and creating these fantastic food products. What I think of now when I think of Neil Brothers is I think of your great um, your mayonnaise, which is fairly a fairly new product for the new condiment, right? You've got yes, like last this year. lime mayonnaise. The sriracha one is in my fridge as well. There's yeah. a truffle one, um, and your really nice line of potato chips as well. So you've got like. Um, I'm trying to think of the flavors. You've got like a maple bacon. Maple bacon, good classic flavor. Mm -hmm. uh, and we, we were trying to create flavors that were somewhat different, um, but also could be GMO free. That yeah. could be, you know, just a little bit different, a little more cleaner. And uh, we also did one with my old pal, our old pal, uh, Vikram. So 
I met Vikram Vij in uh, late 90s mm-hmm. and, and for years, you know, I'd be in his restaurant, Peter or Howie, go on to put a product together. And I was like, I can't So Vikram, Vikram has a, a fantastically popular restaurant in Vancouver. Yes. But he's quite known across Canada. Uh, I would say now because he's done a lot of TV as well, right? Yeah. Chopped and, uh, and Dragon's Den, of course. Yeah. Uh, an amazing human being. I love him to death. Inside and out. Great guy. And he uh, he came up with this flavor. And of course, you know, just to, to nudge him a bit and have some fun, we, we suggested he do a buttered chicken. If anyone knows Vikram Vij, that's the last thing Vikram Vij will ever <laughs> He does do. not want to do butter chicken? No. So he, uh, but he came up with this really cool garam masala flavor and, and he ground all the spice himself and oh. he sent them back and forth to the lab because of course this had to be done on a commercial level, but mm-hmm. it had to be exactly the way he wanted. He had to sign off on it at the last moment. He's very, uh, very, very, um, not controlling, but certainly very, very particular. And I think you should be, right, when you're going to put a, your name on a food product. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it definitely, it's it's got Vikram's you know, unique sensibility written all over it and, 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 and tastes right through those chips. They're awesome chips. No, I love being, I love seeing your products um, coast to coast, just because when I did meet you and your brother years ago, it was, I, I remember, I think it was like we were, looking at your salsas at the time. So this was when I was at Omni Television um, as a host. And I think we were at your warehouse and we were just checking out some of the things that you had at that time. I knew you guys as having chips and salsa. And now there's, now you've grown to so much more. Um, but the reason you're here tonight is we're going to, after the break, we're going to talk a bit about your first cookbook and it's called Goodness. Um, and you feature recipes from 37 different people across Canada. And you call them... Um, I, you chose them for a particular reason, mm-hmm. right? What was that? Well, we wanted to, to respect diversity of gender and ethnicity and, and geography across Canada for sure. So then within those lenses, we wanted to ensure that each of these individuals and, and, and you know, sort of embodied goodness some way. The others stood for something that was meaningful and important in, in the food world um, and, and certainly within their own communities. And that's what this book is in support of 50% of the profits go to Community Food Centers Canada, like the stop in Toronto and, and mm-hmm. now eight across Canada. So there, there needed to be that good, solid, not just someone who's helped out and given a dinner or a gift certificate, which is amazing, but these chefs, you know, who, who, who work so crazy hard hours and then, um, you know, at the end of the day are, are being asked to show up and, and help support amazing things like community food center events. So we wanted to find individuals who were really living and breathing something that was important to them mm-hmm. in the food world and, and in the community somehow. All right, so you feature th- uh, 37 of them in this new book called Goodness Recipe- Recipes and Stories. Um, it's coming out this month. I've just heard that they're being shipped tomorrow from Montreal. You should find them in stores very soon. So Peter Neal is my guest right now in studio. He's going to stick around. We're going to talk a little bit more about what's in the book and also about um, the Community Food Centers Canada and the really wonderful work that they do. I think more people need to know that they exist and that there are ways to get involved and help out. It's it's quite fascinating and amazing what they do. So my guest is Peter Neal. He's sticking around. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Hey, welcome back to the show. My guest in studio, Peter Neal from Neal Brothers Foods. Uh, someone who, if you don't know his face, you certainly know the name of the products because you very likely will find them at uh, any grocery store that you happen to be at. Great selection of, um, of items, condiments, chips, 
All expanded. It started, though, strangely enough, you were saying 28 years ago, you and your brother, you were in your early 20s, and you started making croutons. And so this was obviously not the paleo phase of everyone's life. <laughs> no. <laughs> now, why croutons? Well, you know, I uh, I was at Bishop's University. Mm -hmm. Funny, I just came back from homecoming. I got a nice little award this weekend. Congratulations. Uh, thank you. And we would drive from from Bishop's in the Eastern Township, Quebec, into uh, uh, New England. And on our trips back home, we you know the guys would have these bags of Cape Cod chips. And back then, that was really you know new. That was really new, re really gourmet. And it was before Miss Vicky. So you remember in the eighties, you're you're kind of in that yuppie, you know, specialty food stage mm -hmm. and. Salad dressings were becoming, you know, all the rage, right? Like, like uh, Renee's. Catalina. Yes. <laughs> People were eating salads. Very healthy. But they, they were eating salads with about half a cup of dressing on it and right. a lot of cheese. And good croutons. Yes, and good croutons. But yeah, we, we figured we didn't have the time, money, energy, whatever. We, I was still in second year university at Bishops. Chris had just finished up Queens. And we just, we didn't have the money. We didn't have the uh, expertise to set up our own potato chip plant. And... So we thought, you know, well, let's 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 try something. Keep it simple, stupid, mm -hmm. very easy in mom's kitchen. And um, you know, we we produced these croutons and we we sold them to a handful of stores in the first week. And about a week later, on our answering machine, there was uh, my mom and dad's house. There's a message from someone saying, "We need more croutons. We're sold out." And Chris and I thought, this has got to be some some joke. <laughs> this has got to be one of our friends playing a prank. But it, no, it was. People loved them, and and we kind of well, we really enjoyed working together. We still do. He's an amazing guy, best guy, best friend. After 28 years, and how lucky is that, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, over the years, we've just added different products to it. You know, we, as we saw. We were the first ones, believe it or not, in Canada to take a family-sized bag of non-flavored uh, tortilla chips, stone ground tortilla chips, and put those in the snack food section as opposed to the ethnic food section. Oh, so you're back then it was kidding. Old El Paso. Yeah. Oh, wow. And it was about a year or two maybe later that, yeah. that uh, one of the big brands, you know the name, mm -hmm. uh, came out with a plain tortilla chip that was stone ground as well. So... Um, yeah, from there we we added other products and we also became distributors. We introduced products like Tazo Tea into Canada before mm -hmm. Starbucks owned it and uh, Kicking Horse Coffee and helped to turn that into Canada's best and one of North I'm America's best coffees. I'm very familiar with that. Yeah. So we've had some fun with other people's brands, but we've had a lot of fun building those brands and the ones you were talking about as well. But yeah, all from Croutons in Mom's Kitchen in Aurora. I love it. Well, it's nice because it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a, it's a local success story and people like like that they like to promote it i think as well um and so then after doing all the food products you thought hey you know what we need we've got all these food products we know all these great people who make food and who are good at it uh let's put together a cookbook so you put together a book called goodness recipes and stories and you asked 37 different people to take part in take part in it not all chefs though some like you call them like food advocates good food uh, fighters yeah yeah Yes, yeah, so I was. I, I, my brother Chris and I have been uh, supporting the Stop Community Food Center in Toronto, and you know the, the Stop Community Food Center was the first, and there's now eight. A lot of people Canada. I don't think know what the Stop does. Can you give us a little, well, a, I like a brief to, summary? Uh, I mean, I, Nick Saul, who's the you know the the founder and, mm -hmm. and just an amazing and Nick will be guy. on the show in a few weeks. All right, on. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and, and Nick's got a great quote about about it kind of helps to encapsulate what um, community food centers are all about. And, it, it, and I, I will come to that in a minute. But, you know, 
one of the things I like to describe, one of the ways I like to describe a community food center is that uh, as opposed to a food bank, and nothing against food banks at all, but um, it's it's the idea of the old adage of you know teaching someone to fish as opposed mm-hmm. to just handing them a fish. So people can come into a community food center. They're not asked questions. They can sit down and they're served a meal by someone and they're made to feel good, um, which is the first step in destigmatizing poverty. And they're 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 fed a really good, healthy, nutritious a meal, which is mm-hmm. amazing. And around that meal, you know, there could be a discussion that starts that, uh, you know, that, that might help engage them somehow into, you know, uh, how, how good food can fuel the soul and the brain and, and, and they can learn about how to cook food. They can learn how to grow their own food. Um, and there's a lot of, there are a lot of really great initiatives that, 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 um, and resources that, that take place in a community food center. And they're all a little bit different across Canada, mm-hmm. but they all just, they, they, they bring community together, they strengthen community, and uh, they're an absolutely powerful and wonderful thing. And, and my brother and I fell in love with the concept seven or eight years ago, and we'd been supporting it for years, not knowing what the stop was. You know, what's, what, you know, what the, what, what you know, what, what's that? <laughs> it sounds negative. Well, it's, a, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's somewhere up near Davenport? Yeah, Lansdowne. Davenport. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And, uh, and then they also control, they they have a an interest in in the the green barns the Witchwood barns mm-hmm. and uh, but it was it was a year ago uh, sort of this month that I was sitting on a national advisory council meeting with Nick and the community food centers of Canada the the parent group and we were a group of us were were challenged with the task of telling what community food centers are which isn't an easy thing to do right because for a lot of people they. They haven't heard of it, especially if it's not a service or an organization that they need themselves. People are less likely to have heard of it. They've heard of the food bank because they have been around for so long and they know that, you know, certain times of year there's an extra push to donate. Mm-hmm. And they, they know that I think everyone knows. I think all the listeners know that there are, you know, huge poverty issues uh, throughout the city. It may not touch them directly, but it exists and it could very well be, you know, um, two degrees. You know, I, I say this often. It could be the child sitting next to your kid in school who didn't have a meal. It could be that close to you, but you don't realize it. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it, it is, you know, I think it's a, a bigger problem than we than we think. And it, it is new. So the idea of being able to um, tell the story and raise some funds for Community Food Centers of Canada, um, we were sitting in that meeting and a light bulb went off and I thought, uh, why well, why don't we, you know, tell the story of all these great people I know across Canada, Chris and I know across Canada, chefs, Farmers, food advocates, etc., and and talk about their story and, and how powerful and, and meaningful you know from the smallest initiative that some of these people do to bigger initiatives that some of the more well-known chefs that we know are, are doing as well, and, and 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 inspire people to potentially do goodness in their own community. So there's the inspirational aspect of the book. Um, there's the um, uh, sort of the the promotional, if you will, part mm-hmm. of, of the book. Is and the awareness, the Bill, I think, awareness. right? Yep. Thank you. And, and then also the potential to raise some money. So 50% of what we sell, uh, and we've self-published, which is no easy task. You did. We Congrats. Did. That's, that is not easy. <laughs> no, a friend of mine in Ottawa, Corey Keeley, great girl. Mm-hmm. She's got her own book, cookbook out, the, the, the hockey book for families. And uh, she said, Petey, you know what? You can do this. You've got distribution. <laughs> you've got friends in retail. you got that, that, that. She checked off all the boxes. And she said, if you, if you call Tracy Bordian, 
who's this incredible project manager editor. She was with Penguin for years. Mm -hmm. She's just a dynamo. Um, you know, she she'll she'll do what you need to do in a very short period of time, and she has. She's been. It's become an incredible friendship with our editor, Chris and I and Tracy, with this amazing, fun team. And she has lit it up this year. And this is her first project on her own. And she made this book happen for us. Well, it's not, first of all, it is not cheap to put together a book. It's not cheap to self-publish. And then the fact that you rounded up 37 people across the country to contribute, and then you took photos. You know, I think that says a lot about um, time donated. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a lot of work. And I've tried in each city, because I travel a lot for our business, uh, I've, I've tried to get out with uh, certainly the one the the contributors that uh, I didn't know before. Uh, mm -hmm. Andrew George was a Aboriginal chef who came from mid central BC uh, as a kid into Vancouver and learned to cook. And by grace of God and support and help of friends and uh, others, he he was able to become successful chef. And he chefed he he chefed. He worked in a lot of great hotels across Canada. And then you know the Clintons heard about him and brought him to cook at the White House and then to tour really? America for 30 days. And I think when he got to the end of what he called kind of his journey, he said, you know, I've been successful. What am I going to do now? Mm -hmm. He said, I'm going to build that bridge that I needed um, for Aboriginals, First Nations. And I'm going to help these hundred. He's, I think he's had about 150 come through his his program wow. and, and supported them. And he's just done like and no one knows about him. Mm -hmm. and, and he's a great, great chef. He's a great. Um, community leader, um, quiet, very good. And I took him out to Vikram's restaurant, My Shanti in, in Surrey, uh, about six months ago. And he was brought to tears. Well, uh, wait, wait, which chef was brought to tears? Andrew George oh, okay. was. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen, seen Vikram cry. Vikram in, no, maybe tears of joy. Maybe. He's, he's a very joyful man. But uh, there's been some of those stories like Andrew mm -hmm. George's. And, and those are the, some of the meaningful characters that are in this story that I hope will Chris and I certainly hope will will inspire others to think about and and and, and do goodness in their own communities. And and when you do it with food, uh, it can be a very very powerful thing. Uh, I found that 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 uh, quote. And, oh, and this okay, is, the quote they talked about Nick's, for yeah Nick from Nick Saul. So this is from um, Community Food Centers Canada. And he he talks about food is this incredible thing. If you eat it together, you grow community and connection. Through it, you can express your culture and your background. If you eat good food, it energizes you and keeps you healthy. When you grow food sustainably, it nourishes the soul and increases the health of our planet. And when everyone has access to good food, you have inclusive, connected, and equitable communities. And that, I think, is a powerful statement, and it sums it up. And it was one of the hooks that, that I know convinced my brother Chris and I to be part of Community Food Centers Canada. So well, I, I think it's great. And uh, so congratulations. The book is called Goodness, Recipes and Stories. It is just hitting uh, the shelves this month. And uh, it sells for $29.95. So 50% of that will go to the Community Food Centers of Canada. And I, I think it's great. It's, it's a great book for yourself. So some beautiful recipes in there. So fantastic chefs that I think a lot of people will be familiar with no matter where they are in the country. And then other chefs that they will soon learn about, you know, from the book. And uh, it's a great gift for you, for yourself and a, something to give. And also you're giving again, you're giving a, like another time. Yeah, paying it forward. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me tonight. And thanks. Um, also, I should mention that Peter Neal brought some wine. <laughs> and we've both had very long days. So um, towards the end, I may not be able to put a sentence together. So if you want to find out more information, you can always go to neilbrothersfoods.com and uh, and pick up a book. We you know we're getting into pre-holidays, right? People have got to start planning this stuff. I, I, do, I think it is a beautiful gift. 
and and as you said, it does pay it forward, and it, it's a it's just yeah, it's it's a wonderful gift, and and I hope people will buy it, and I hope people will enjoy it, and they'll share it, and tell other friends about it. And I'm sure they will. Well, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks so much for being here, Pay. That's Peter Neal from Neal Brothers Foods. Uh, coming up after the break, I'll tell you about some of the most classically Canadian recipes, all in one book. You're listening to the Pay Chen Show on In Depth Radio News Talk 1010. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm Paige Chan, live with you until 9 p.m. You can always interact with me during the show. Uh, you can text in at 71010. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Paige Chen. Uh, Peter Neal just left. He left with me three quarters of a bottle of wine. Perhaps a mistake. Perhaps a brilliant idea. Um, as I was mentioning off the top of the show, I absolutely love cookbooks. It's, I, I think I could safely say I collect three things. I collect cookbooks, I collect chocolate. That is a bit of a weird thing to say, but I actually have a giant box of different kinds of chocolate. And I collect glass jars. Um, and when you're moving, as I am this month, uh, glass jars and cookbooks take up a lot of space and they're quite heavy. Uh, but I absolutely refuse to get rid of any of them. Anyway, there's a f beautiful, beautiful uh, new cookbook coming out by Canadian Living. It's the ultimate cookbook. Uh, on the line, I have the food director for Canadian Living, Annabelle Wa. Hi, Annabelle. Hi, Pei. How are you? Uh, I am doing well. I loved the book. I flipped through every single page of it and I love the photos are gorgeous. And Thank you. the instructions are very clear, very simple. So congratulations. Thanks. Now, I know that um, this book, the since you're calling it the ultimate cookbook, which is quite a claim, <laughs> um, you've put together sort of like the best of the past 40 years. Well, it is the best of the, of the past 40 years, but it isn't just a looking back at the last 40 years, what we wanted, because, I mean, it's funny because we, when we were going through the recipes to decide which ones to pick, we, at first we thought, oh, let's do a retrospective. We'll do a 40-year thing. And then we realized, you know, a lot of the things that we've been doing lately are, are we've been doing this ultimate every month. And mm -hmm. um, we've been doing that for a couple of years. And it's really allowed us to kind of delve deep and say, what is the best iteration of, of this thing? You know, if it's, if it's uh, you know a peach pie, what 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 is this? What's going to make this the ultimate? So we're we're trying to do that with in our recipes now. And a lot of the, when we were going back in, in time, recipes can kind of have a shelf life, and it's amazing. Like our recipes are amazing, and they have been amazing the whole time. But sometimes things change. Like mm -hmm. um, you know, form the formula for certain products will change. Like people people will buy tomatoes now and there's a lot less sodium put into a canned tomato now than there was in the 90s for oh example. yeah good point so we found that we were when we were revisiting some of these recipes we had to go back and test them again and and make sure they were up to date and tasted great with today's ingredients right so it's it's a look back from 40 years but it's it's all been every recipe has been touched and and 
made sure that it's still relevant and really kind of hitting all the marks that we want to hit. I love that the book is, um, it's described as, you know, as Canadian as butter tarts or roast potatoes, like these these classics that are very comforting, I think, to, to many Canadians and that we think of um, fondly. And it's like if you can nail, you know, that perfect butter tart or that perfect lasagna, then, you you know, you feel pretty great about yourself. Um and I know that you, you call it also like new classics, so newer recipes maybe in recent years that you think will become the go-to for a lot of families. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, for us, I, it's funny because when you look at what people are looking at from us, most of it is still the kind of traditional stuff you would expect. So, you know, our, our top search terms always end up being like carrot cake or beef stew. Right. Like that. <laughs> so it's not necessarily, you know, like mulligatawny or something like that. But at, <laughs> at the same time, people's tastes are, people are, are their taste, tastes are changing and people mm-hmm. are getting used to the idea of eating things that ha- has like a fresh twist to it. So I think people are not afraid of trying something and then there's maybe some kind of a new aspect of the recipe. Sometimes you want the traditional one, like with a butter tart, for example. Mm-hmm. You want that ultimate butter tart, the one, like the original recipe. Because now, you're not going to start putting chia seeds in there, right? No, like you're going to keep precisely. it classic. <laughs> well, exactly. And, and our butter tart recipe is absolutely ridiculous. Like it is so good. Okay, every I'm going to try I it. it I'm, every <laughs> time I eat it, I'm actually shocked. At how good it is. Transported into thinking, another place. Wow. <laughs> This is way better than I remember it being, but yeah, it is. It is unbelievable. But it's we we will give options. So we'll say, okay, if you want to have a regular butter tart, I mean, there's that whole debate about raisins or no raisins. So look, I got to tell you, I'm against raisins. But are you so am I? Yeah, I really am, and I've yeah. I, I've vocalized this several times on the show, and I get very angry text messages about it. But I'm People not. <laughs> are- they are one way or the other when mm-hmm. it comes to raisins, especially raisins that have been rehydrated in a baked good. Yep. Yeah. Like brought back to life, sort of. <laughs> so, yeah, I have, there's a couple people in the test kitchen who love raisins and a couple people who hate them, which is perfect because then we're representing the entire population. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> now, what's something that, um, because, you know, you've, you've had your career sort of like in and out of the Canadian Living Kitchen. Um, you've yep. done a lot of other things as well and you, with your recipe development. And what are some things that are, I guess, really in demand now, like when you think of um, what people are searching on your website or um, requests that you're getting in terms of recipes, what are some things that are pretty common now that, you know, five or 10 years ago, you didn't think you could get people to eat? Well, it's funny because what people want now is the same thing they wanted then, maybe not the specific recipes, but their their priorities are the same, which is we. I want something fast. Yep. I want it to be approachable. I want it to be easy. I need to be able to make it for my family quickly. I want it to be affordable. I want it the recipe, more importantly than anything, I want it to taste great and I want the recipe to work. So that always, those are our kind of check marks that we always check with everything, but you know, for example, I'll give you a good example. When we were doing this last year, we were kind of going back and, and we did a 40th anniversary retrospective in every issue of the year because it was our 40th anniversary. So we <laughs> wanted to kind of just have like a little, you know, throwback kind of thing. So we went back and looked through the recipes of, of all the issues and it was quite a task. It's a lot of recipes over the oh, years. Yeah. And we came across this I think it was called like Hint of Thai Sirloin Mango Salad. <laughs> and Hint of Thai was definitely true because it had ketchup in it and there was oh my gosh. like soy sauce. Yeah. And anyway, 
we we made it and it was it was it tasted good mm-hmm. but it did not taste the way people would expect something that is Thai flavored to taste now because you can get those ingredients now yes. easily in the grocery store. When I first started at Canadian Living, you couldn't get fish sauce unless you went to a specialty store in Chinatown. Well, unless you probably Nowadays, were fermenting you it yourself. It no yeah. problem. Yeah. No, that's true. And I realized when I was flipping through the book that there's a lot of uh, different like cultural influences and, and some like, you know, ethnic spices that, you know, even just. 10 years ago wouldn't have been as common in a cookbook because it would have seemed too difficult to get some of those ingredients. Yeah, and we're always thinking about that. I, I, I mean, every once in a while we'll do a story where there, there's we want to have a nod to something really authentic. But I say this every once in a while, which is authenticity is kind of the enemy of creativity. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of authentic cooking. There's plenty of authentic co- cooking happening in Canada already. Can- Canadians are good eaters. And they tend to really stick to their authentic uh, cuisines. And they don't need any help in that department. You know, you don't need to teach a Chinese person how to make something Chinese or or any other culture. So what we want to do is we want to take people who are just, hey, I'm making a steak tonight. What do I want to do with it? Well, hey, how about you try putting a little bit of chimichurri on that? You know, Mm -hmm. taking some flavors that are new, maybe new to them. And saying, this, you're going to really love this. Like, just try it. It's it's good. It's it's something a little bit different. And it also, you get bored of eating the same thing all the time. So yes. it's just like a fresh way to try it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the book is um, is beautiful, and it comes out this week. So uh, people can look for it there. It's uh, Canadian Living, the Ultimate Cookbook. Thank you so much, Annabelle. Thank you so much for having me on the show. That's Annabelle Wash. She's the food director for Canadian Living. And if you want to find out more, you can always check out their website, canadianliving.com. And again, that book comes out this week just in time to buy yourself a beautiful gift. Uh, You're listening to The Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. show it is october uh, i'd love to know what halloween costumes you're planning for your household whether it's for you the grown-ups in the house or for your kids because it's always interesting to know kind of what's popular i was mentioning off the top of the show that um a lot of the costumes that are out now because i have seen people tweeting it have been like the donald trump costume there's a weird one text in 71010 let me know what halloween costumes are being considered in your household Someone tweeted, Vinny White's in here as well. Someone tweeted this uh, photo of a, um, this is what I hate about Halloween costumes for men versus women. Every Halloween costume for a woman has to be the sexy version of a whatever. So it was the sexy Donald Trump costume. How is that possible? And it was like just a silly little like comb over wig. And then it had like little uh, hot shorts. Wow. So it was sexy Donald Trump. I'm like, first of all, you can't put that name and the word sexy no, together. No. Um, and then, uh, yeah, every everything. Because then there's like the firefighter costume, which is normal for the guy. But then for the girl, she's got this like unbuttoned shirt. Yeah. These like pants, these hot pants that barely cover her butt cheeks. Yeah. And um, anyway, that, that part bugs me. I gave up when sexy Elmo came out. <laughs> I saw someone. Oh, the sexy Ernie and Burt costume. Some... Some costumes, some characters don't need to be, be sexified. Yes, I agree. There's like a brilliant Muppets. open letter going around online at the moment from a, a mother in the United States that wrote to a party shop. And I forgive me because I can't remember the name of the party shop. Did you read this? No. So she, she looked at all of the outfits for boys 
And then she looked yeah. at all oh, of the outfits yes. for girls. And? And then she worked out the ratio between the amount of outfits for boys that are occupations, for example, yeah. firefighter, policeman, yeah. lumberjack, etc. And then she looked at all of the percentage availability of um, costumes for girls. Yeah. And this story slightly falls down because I can't remember the exact numbers. I wasn't mm. ready for this. I do remember that it was only 7% for girls and it was dramatically higher for boys. Only 7%? Only 7%, yeah. And that's, <laughs> like, I don't know if you include Angel as, well, as an no, occupation. I'm, the other occupations I can think of that are very female-oriented costumes are the sexy nun, the sexy maid. Yeah. The... So that's the thing. So even if they are occupations, they're always sexy versions. Oh, they're just like, sh and also there's much less material in that costume than in the male version. So it should Definitely. cost less, but yeah. it always costs more. That's your beef with this. Is it the, <laughs> the amount of material that's being produced to make these costumes in a factory and in a sweatshop in China? Because you're upset that you don't get a few dollars off because yours is smaller and skimpier. That, that cost. Cop costume for a man, it has pants that go down to the ankle. Right. The cop costume from the woman is a skirt that barely covers her lady parts. I think you may have overlooked the argument on sexualizing young children, and you may have There's that too, but yes. I'm just coming from an economical perspective. That it should I just not feel cost that, more. That is just way down that. the agenda here. But no. I'm tired of these sexified <laughs> costumes. First of all, a nun should not be a sexy nun. So by your logic, because you're quite a small girl, presumably you should pay less for your shoes than people with big feet as well. <laughs> That's not what really what I meant. No? No. Okay, you just want to pay, pay less, less than boys is what you're saying. Well, you know, when you're selling one costume that you're like, oh, one version's for you and the other version's for you. And I'm like, don't, well, there's no, <laughs> no guys going out there going, I'm going to be a sexy Donald Trump. <laughs> the girl costume is like, yeah. I'm going to wear booty shorts and a bad wig and and uh, a low-cut top, and then they can call me sexy Donald Trump. I went out with a girl once, and she said, she said, I'm just going to warn you, when I turn up to the event tonight, I'm, I'm going to look really sexy. I went, all right, what are you coming as? And she goes, just a prostitute. <laughs> I thought, well, I mean, that's quite good for me in yeah. many ways. I mean, I'm not sure if it's that clever, but, yeah, she, she, no. she stuck to what she said. Oh, good. Yeah. Good for her. Didn't last, but it was a great night. Yep. Okay, yep. going to change the conversation. Okie dokie. Um, you, I did not realize, have never used Uber. No, I haven't. I use Uber a lot. My credit card bills lately are almost entirely Uber charges. Mm. Um, I use the, the app is convenient. I know that there's a huge beef uh, with the Uber X, which is Uber X is the people who are, who you could just have a car and you could be an Uber X driver. Mm. The regular Uber is just the regular taxi. So, you know, the meter's running and... Mm, it's a kind of. It hasn't got a meter. Um, it does have a meter. What? The, the, Uber has a meter. Does it? Yep. And you can see it? Yep. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's a, when you order an Uber, it could be a co-op cab, it could be a royal taxi, it could be a whatever. That's what pulls up. Um, oh, I see what you mean. And yes. Uber X is any old dude's car. Uber X is the Toyota Camry that pulls up. Yeah. And some dude named John just rolled out of bed to pick up the fare. Exactly. So I have been taking Uber a lot this past week just because I've been uh, working down at um, the home show. So I've been taking it there and back. So... Because I knew I was taking it twice a day, yes. I was I was like, oh, maybe I'll do UberX. I don't do do I don't do UberX often because I do feel like taxi drivers. It's it's a tough living, and I understand that you know UberX is taking some of their livelihood away. Also, for the most part, I travel within downtown. My fare is usually between ten and fifteen dollars. I don't mind paying that for a cab. Also, taxi drivers tend to know the city 
a bit better. They know the one-way streets. They know in traffic which street not to go on. So that helps me yeah. out. Uh, because I was not going too far away, I was going down to the exhibition. I'm like, oh, they'll take UberX, maybe save a couple of bucks if I can. Mm. Um, so with Uber, when you're done your ride on the app, uh, you're asked to rate your driver out of five stars. And I usually give like four or five stars. Like if I found too much of an air freshener scent in there, maybe I gave them four stars. Mm. Um, but I always do four or five. What I didn't realize until recently is that they also rate the passengers. Oh. So the good thing about rating the driver is that if you rate them any less than four stars, you're asked why. You're asked, was it because they were late? Is it the service? Whatever, because they maintain a fairly high standard. So mm. a few of the drivers have told me this. Um, the Uber X drivers, the sort of like everyday citizen drivers, are a little bit more chatty. Because um, yeah. the other guys are taxi drivers. They probably just know that people don't really want to chat much. Just so you know, car. there are um, a few thousand cabbies listening to you right now. I know this. Swearing at you. Just... Well, I use both. Okay. And the uh, so I had one driver. He when I got out of the car, he was very nice, and he said, um, uh, he said, well, you know, I hope you, yeah, I hope you had a, a good ride, you know, enjoy the drive. And I was like, yes, thank you, you're fantastic. He goes, oh, you know, um, well, I really hope that you'll you'll give me a good star rating. Mm. And I totally forgot. And I said, oh, by the way, um, you rate the passengers. Mm. He goes, yeah. Do you know your rating? I said, no, I've been curious. Oh, so I you my don't friends... get access to that, no. I don't. No. I don't know what they rate me. I see. Uh, so he goes, oh, yeah. So he clicked on my profile. And he goes, oh, it's amazing. Because it's out of five stars. He goes, you have a 4.6 rating. That's great. Me, being super ultra Asian, first thought was, where did I lose 0.4 stars? Why do I not have a perfect five star rating? This just never happened So before. then I got a little bit obsessed like uh, obsessive about it. And I thought, oh, you know what? It's because sometimes when I take the taxis, I put a lot of stuff. They see me coming with a trolley and I have boxes of stuff. When I'm doing TV segments, I end up with a trolley. I end up with like five <coughs> boxes of things that need to go in the trunk. And I think this driver does not think I'm worth the $12 fare uh. for all. Of, and I, so now I'm justifying it. But this is, okay, my Uber driver last night, who was a regular taxi driver, so all the cab drivers who are listening right now, do not get angry. This is not an Uber X driver. This was a taxi driver. He was on his phone, like his phone, his iPhone was in his hand the entire time. Mm. Fine, if you need to check a map because it was high traffic, because you're looking for a better route, I don't mind that. You can take a quick glance, say, you know what, I'm going to go up Fort York instead. Yeah, the police Fine. do mind that. They do. So, he had his phone in his hand the whole time. I am sitting behind the passenger seat, which means I have clear vision to the, the middle console, right, yeah. where his hand is. He was checking Facebook. Oh, he was checking on. Twitter. He then, he was scrolling through his apps. He then opened what, he opened a dating app. I'm not sure if it was <laughs> Tinder because I don't know what Tinder really looks like. Of course you don't. But it was a Tinder-like app or mm. it was Tinder because all these girls' photos were popping up and he was just like flip, 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 scrolling through them super quick. And some of them were really attractive. Um, so while he's driving me home, he's looking for hookups. Amazing. That's not right, is it? Did you I say anything? I didn't say anything in the Pay car because the listen, wait. Why do you did, always harbor this stuff then I release it on the radio? Did not say anything in the car because I did not want it to affect my passenger rating, but I did. <laughs> I tweeted it and then Uber support tweeted me back and <laughs> said, please write us an email. So as soon as I got in, I was like, look, I just finished this ride. This is what happened. This is unprofessional. It wasn't safe. So I did report it. I just did not report it in the car at that time. 
but I did report it. You're the same person then that goes and calls the city instead of going around to your neighbour and asking them to turn it down, aren't you? Oh no, I would tell them to turn it down. Well, how is this different? Why don't you speak directly to the person involved? I wanted to get out of that cab. So I was like, I'm going to get out and then I want to tell them what happened. If Marky Mark I, you know what? hadn't just kicked in, I would continue this argument. I almost, I thought about when I got out of the car saying I would have chosen the last one in terms of the girls he was slipping through. Right. Join me on my show next as I spend an hour berating Pei Chen behind <laughs> her back. PeiChen.com is a website. Thanks for tuning in tonight uh, at PeiChen as well. Uh, Vinny White is coming up next. I do believe he'll be talking a little bit about farts. About a man that was apparently makes Vinny look bad somehow, if that's possible. <laughs> If you missed it, tune into the podcast from last week where I almost died. Oh, you didn't put that online, did you? Yeah, I put it online. There's How can I cut it out? Of my bottom. Oh my god! It's uh, anyway. Have a great night, everyone. Just look, before you go, how long are you going to deny that you love me? I need. I will deny the truth, which is that I don't love you. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great night. Sexy Donald Trump. Return of the Hot